Ronananian. You can see that where ASC Automotive Service Excellence, where they're going, is they are getting the, I think they're getting the, the industry ready for the electric vehicle. I'm ready to irradiate your existing brain cells. The car doctor. This baby's 18 years old. All right, in, in New Jersey. In New Jersey, you, you need a tetanus yeah. shot looking at the thing. Um, you, you know, before you even touch a wrench. So, you know, yeah, it's it's who's going to fix that and how are they going to fix it? Some days you get the bear, and some days the bear gets you. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, are you able to cease thinking on command? Here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. 855-560-9900 is the Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Give us a call. Leave a message. If we're not here, we're out on the air Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. As we begin the march on the network, but eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero is a twenty four seven number. You can call, leave a message, and executive producer, chief cook and bottle washer, and floor sweeper Thomas Ray. Thomas Ray, is it Thomas Ray the first? Thomas Ray the third? Thomas Ray the third? I'm glad it's not Thomas Ray the first, or I would get the other finger. Um, is uh, we'll be glad to call you back because that's uh, Tom's persona. Tom is a little rebellious in his old age, and he's getting older by the minute. Um, Tony is at the board, and we're glad to have Tony with us again today. As we kick off this hour, and again, reminder, we're giving away a $25 gift card from the folks over at O'Reilly Auto Parts. We're going to give it away this hour. Oh, no, I've stirred Tom. Tom is about to say something. Tony? Yes. I think he forgets who's, uh, who's yeah. in control yes, on the side I know. of the glass. You're throwing shade at my man Tom, calling him old. Well, yeah. it's not that he's old. He's just older. But, but you're older than both of us put That's together. Right. But I'm wiser. Wiser, That's really? A, yeah. Honest. Yeah, 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 wiser. Really? Bud. Bud. Right. Bud wiser. Bud. Yeah, okay. Bud wiser. <laughs> oh. Are we done now? You see, folks, Maybe. Y- you, have to, you have to let them feel good. And you let them, you know, you got to let the kids play a little bit. And then we can go about our business. So now let's do the show. Um, I love these two guys. They're great. Let's, uh, let's go over and talk to Hope in Boston, 08 Kia Rio, and uh, see what's going on here. Hope, welcome to the car doctor. Hey, Ron. Dr. Ron, how you doing? Good, sir. What's going on? Uh, two-part question, if I would. Um, got an OE carrier, and uh, codes are P0301, 300, and 304. Okay. And that happens once every, like, 3,000 miles, right? Uh, just for a heads up, I've done everything on this car, timing belt, whatever, you name it, I've done it. Um, but once in a while, those codes show up and uh, change the spark plugs, change the uh, coal packs, and what happens is, you know, after probably 200 miles, the light will go away and pff, everything is fine. 250,000 miles, is the car getting too old? Will it get to 400K? Well, which question do we want to attack first? You know, if, if you've done plugs and coils, of course, that doesn't mean new means good. You know, I got the, yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes I go to the junkyard and sometimes I go to auto parts store, but... Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be too cheap, but uh, trying well, to maintain the car. Right. No, the car I get runs it. fine. Well, um, what if you what if you did this? Have you considered moving the coils around? I did that. Okay. Uh, one, two, four, three. You know, 
right uh, in sequence to, depending on uh, how you you know it's a four you know say one point six million right I mean if, if you move one to two and three to four if you just switch them and the misfires still show up on one and four then uh-huh. then we know it's not it's it's likely not coil all right you know could it be plug I mean again move plug mark everything down move. You know, the problem is you'd have to move things one at a time. You'd have to move the coil and plug from one to two and three and then right. drive it. And, and, you know, what comes back? If it stays on one, then you know it's not the plug. You know it's not the coil. It's either mechanical or it's in the injector. Or or it could be PCM. It could be powertrain computer. You know, every once in a while they'll fail. They'll create an issue unto right. themselves. But, you know, catching that in the act is a tough is a tough thing to do. You might see something with an ignition scope, or I'm sorry, with a with a lab scope, looking at primary uh, coil pattern on a scope, and you know catch it in the act. But every 300 miles is a is is a, is a tough task. It's an intermittent at that point. You were going to say something. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the car, motor is good, everything is good. You know, daily driver. Right. But uh, what happened uh, about uh, the last 3,000? This is you know, I'm going to do the oil change in a few hours anyway, but. Uh, I went to the junk and got a few injectors, four of them for a buck. And uh, during that cycle, it hasn't come back on. <laughs> so maybe, you know, maybe it was, you know, maybe it was an injector-related issue. You know, now, now one of the things you can do is, while the engine is running properly and when it's at room temperature, ohm the coil, ohm the injectors. Get a reading mm-hmm. on what the injectors ohm at, and maybe. The day that it does it, if it does it again, own the injectors again. Where does it go? Uh, you know, start to start to gather known good. I mean, when you're dealing with an intermittent, you've got to establish a baseline like anything else. If, if you know what right. known good is on whatever it is you're working on, that's fine. But if you don't, then you've got to catch it when the vehicle is right. You know, and even then you've got to have a little bit of a you know, shady eye because you're, you're counting on the thing that's broken to tell you the truth. And right. you know that can kind of come and bite you in in in, in the hind parts, um, but you know I would I would definitely I would definitely start to if I want if I wanted to if you think you still got the problem, you know move one thing around at a time. Um, right. Don't necessarily do it, you know, uh, um, you know all at once because it'll only make things confusing. Okay. So all right, um, all right. Hey, Number listen, two is uh, go ahead. I want to do the steering rack on this car. What pointers do you have for me? Uh, Doing a steering rack? I I wouldn't get one out of a junkyard, I can tell you that. (laughs) You know, because you don't want to do that twice. Um, You know, naturally, when you do the, when you disconnect the lower steering shaft, you want to make sure the steering wheel is locked. So, you know, and I don't even, I don't even trust lock cylinders or steering column locks to lock things anymore. If I'm going to do a rack... Obviously, the key is out, but I'll also put the seatbelt through the wheel spoke and, and lock it in that way because I don't want the wheel to spin because, you know, I spin it too far one way or the other. I'll have a problem with the clock spring for the airbag, and, yeah. you know, if it unwinds because that, that'll just, it'll just spin on its own. Uh, you know, the, the rest of it, you know, let me ask you this. Why are you, why are you doing a rack? Is it leaking? Yeah, it hasn't been changed. I mean, since I got the car, um, it, the seals are leaking a little bit down there. You know, when I did the inner and outer tie rods, you know, like right. two years ago. Right. I mean, like, I'm just buying time. But again, I'm I'm like, okay, you know, it's just just an old car. So yeah, and, you know, the, the 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 first question is going to be, whose rack are you going to use? Right. And 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 you know, 
uh, steering racks I've gotten fussy on as I've gotten older because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard, tedious job. And while the price from the dealer may be more than what the aftermarket has to offer, sure. the, the question becomes, what's it worth? It's, you know, if it's 200 in the aftermarket and 400 from the dealer, but from the dealer it's got a higher, higher, higher pass rate, guess what you're going to buy? You know, it's because you don't want to do this job twice. You know, and that's yeah. and, and and that's really the bottom line. I would clearly do some sort of a power steering fluid flush. I'd find the return line for the f power steering, and put it in a pail and fill the reservoir with correct fluid and just run it through until it's clean, and then hook uh -huh. up the uh you know the power steering lines to the new to the new rack. I wouldn't just do it without doing some sort of fluid exchange. Uh, oh, that's right. for sure. Okay. But you know, right. as far as as far as the rest of it, it's nuts and bolts. And you know, do you have the wiggle? Are you going to do this on the ground, Hope? Yes, sir. Mm. Done everything on this car myself, man. Okay. All right. Just uh, <laughs> just just play safe, you know. Just uh, right, right. You know, right. on on jack stands and support it, and you know, right. and you know, it's it's. Listen, when I was a younger man, I did a lot of the work on the ground. It's as you get older, you know, it's funny. The more you work on cars, you you, you need the lift because you can't you can't stay yeah. bent over in that position on the ground. Like you right. did when you were young and flexible, um, you know. I'm not as flexible as I used to be. So, um, uh, that's good. All right, sir. Appreciate it, Doctor Ron. You're welcome, sir. You take good care. You let us know what happens. Take it one step at a time. All right, brother. Take good care. Um, yeah, you know, you're tracking down intermittents. Yeah, and I get it. Three two hundred fifty thousand miles on the car. Will it go to four? Of course. There's always the possibility. There's carbon deposits. On a valve somewhere, there's, you know, and that's that's sort of the conversation with regard to, does it stay on cylinders one and four? Is it is it injector? Is it ignition? Is it mechanical? And that's what you have to narrow down. And sometimes the pieces that are easy to swap around are where you want to start. And that's uh, that's just, it's just that gosh darn important. So when we return, we're going to get out to Houston, Texas and talk to Gary. But right now, let's pull over and take the pause. I'm Ron Anany and the car doctor. We'll return right after this. Don't you hate when you need some expensive part or service? It sure makes maintaining your car a frustrating task. Thankfully, Pep Boys has over a million parts in stock, like batteries, filters, brake pads, and more. And if you need a little extra help, the Pep Boys pros will install the part for you. Since 1921, Manny, Moe, and Jack's legacy has been to provide quality parts, service, and tires to people everywhere. So the next time you need car advice or simply want a service done, head to the pros. Visit your local Pep Boys or shop online at PepBoys.com. It on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Let's get on and talk to Gary, Houston, Texas. Gary, you're there, sir. How can I help? Hey, thank you, Dr. Ron. Uh, I have a situation here that's kind of baffling my mind. I okay. have a 2009 Nissan Altima. I, you know how the race will squeak a little bit when it's time for it to change. So yeah, the wear, the wear sensor hits the rotor and it makes that, you know, ee, yep, yeah. That's correct. Yep. Well, I, I took it to a, a, a chain uh, business and they changed it out and they, and they rotated the rotor, rotator, uh, rotors and uh, it mean, still squeaked. So you, I you, took it back to them. You mean they machined the rotors? Yes, yeah, they okay. machine the road in okay. yeah, right. and uh, and then uh, and uh, it was still making a squeaking sound. So I took it back and had them to change the pads, 
And think I said, well, they said we're gonna put better pads. They 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 say they did that, and uh, it was still squeaking. So I I got frustrated. So I called a mobile mechanic who's really good at doing his job. He changed out and put a different pad on there that he says he swear by that it was a good pad. And he changed my rotors. It was still squeaking. So he changed the pads again. He said these cost like eighty five dollars more quiet. Uh, noise-resistant ceramic top type pad. It's still squeak, and I am at a loss to why in the world when I first had this car it didn't squeak. When uh, the Warner came on, it squeaked. Now I'm dealing with all this squeaking, and they all the cylinders and all that stuff, and it is still squeaking. And I'm I'm really dumbfounded at where am I missing it? What, even the mechanics can't seem to find. Are, are we sh now? Did they change all four brakes, Gary? No, they changed the, uh, the 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 back two brakes were changed like two months in advance, and then later the front brakes were changed. Okay, so what brakes do they keep changing? The front brakes, and they're sure it's the front brakes that are squeaking. Yes. How come? I you, mean, you by can hear it. You you can hear it every time you come to the stop sign. So you know, I figured. Uh, if I just, you know, drive a little fast and press it, it might kind of come together. But it, it's like sometimes it'll squeak, and then sometimes it may not. If I first call off during the day, everything's fine. As it gets a little warmer down the road, it goes back to when you press it, it makes that squeaking sound. So you step on the brake, and it's just a repetitive squeak, 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 squeak all the time. Yes. From time to time, not all the time, but from time to time. Like sometimes it's like squeak, 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 and then sometimes you press it, and then it may not squeak. You know, brake squeak to me is is very foreign. It's a thing of the past for us. We don't we don't see a lot of it. We don't experience a lot of it. Now, you know, a, a lot of times I have a choice of I have a choice of two brake pads. I'm going to answer your question this way. So just pardon me for a second if I'm going the long way around the barn. You know, okay. we, we use a product called Power Stop as a brake pad. That's the staple at the shop. Power Stop and Dura Rotors, great product. Um, no okay. brake, no 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 noise complaints, no warp issues, no a lot of things that are positive about them. Now we also have the option of using Delco and Motorcraft. I mean, sometimes we do. It depends on the vehicle. It depends on application. You know, there are certain points that certain product lines I think favor different vehicles, but. My point becomes, out of the three or four choices I have available to me, we don't see squeak issues. When I did see squeak issues, okay, it was, uh -huh. it was usually one of a few possibilities. It was the quality of the part. It uh -huh. was the rotor wasn't washed properly. All right? You know, whether, whether, it's, whether it's new or machined, we always wash a rotor before we put it on. And, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of washing it in hot, soapy water. Just to get, you know, if it's a new rotor, we'll wash it in hot, soapy water because we're trying to get, they'll, they'll, they'll put, you know, um, solvents or chemicals or sealers on the rotors to help keep them from corroding sitting on the shelf, et cetera, that type of thing. So you, you really have to wash them off. Uh, you know, the other thing we'll see is quality of the pad. And then last, it's are, are the pad pins and slides being lubricated? You know, they, they, they take, matter of fact, we use the Delco version of brake lube, but there's other stuff out there. Um, where we'll lubricate the pins and and right. you know and just make sure everything's free and easy and moving. 
Yeah, yeah. See, they lubricated all that, but I'm still getting that reaction, and that's the part I don't understand. Yeah, and I don't, I don't get it either. And I'm wondering if, you know, just as a reach here, because I don't want to just say, oh, just go try a different set of brake pads and, and and hang up and call it a day. You know, trying to be logical about it, I'm wondering. I'm wondering if it's the right set of pads for the vehicle. I'm wondering if the pads themselves, the metal portion of the pad, is rubbing somewhere it's not supposed to. And, you know, I think you touched on something that I've been uh, thinking myself. I was thinking uh, the sliding uh, part of the caliber, what if something like that touching it? Right. I'm just wondering. You you sound sound like, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. What if that is the issue, and then and these guys are missing it? Right. I, you know, part of the problem here is we've got we've got a couple of cooks in the kitchen, and mm-hmm. we, you know, who touched what? I always right. I, I always go back to that episode of I Love Lucy when they were baking the bread. Remember that? And who, <laughs> who, who put the yeast in the bread, and the bread comes out of the oven like it's it's five feet long? Right. And, and, right. You know, and it's 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 always <laughs> one of the things at the shop, and we we still do it to this day. Is and and right now it's just Danny and I. We're down to just the two of us. Uh, I've, we've made the shop smaller for a variety of reasons in the last couple of years, and it's it's where I want it to be right now. But either one of us can be out the the next day. Not that it happens, but we always write notes. I did this, 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 and this. Uh-huh. So there's never a question, and you know, so we know because I always tell them, look. We don't want to put too much yeast in the bread, brother. You know, we don't want to. We don't want to make that mistake. It's called communication, which is so hard in life. I I think it's got to go to someone that's a little more familiar, that can sit and study the problem. I, I you know, like I said, it's either compound, rotors not being washed, or the the pad itself. It's the, it's wrong for the application. But if we're sure it's the front then it's it's going to be one of those. Now, on the off chance that it's the rear, and this noise is only there when you step on the brake, correct? Yeah, like if I press kind of hard, that's when I begin to hear. When you press it, like the soft part, you don't hear it until you get ready to really stop, and then it kicks in. Okay. So then the last thought I've got is, how does the parking brake actuate on the rear brakes? And by that I mean, I think the caliper... This is a rear. This is a four-wheel disc brake car, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. If this is a four-wheel disc brake car, how does the rear parking brake actuate? Does it actuate through the caliper? If it does, if you drive at a slow speed and slowly pull up on the parking brake, does the squeak happen? If the squeak happens, the noise is in the back. If it doesn't, then it's for sure up front. Try that too. Hey, Gary, listen, stay on the line. I want to try and make your life a little bit easier. We're going to be sending you out the $25 gift card from the folks at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Just for thinking of Dad, Father's Day is June 17th, and O'Reilly Auto Parts wants to honor that. Stay tuned. Tom Ray will get your information. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. I'm Ron Anany, and I'll be back right after this. Car Doctor at 855-560-9900. And uh, keep in mind that is 24-7. More information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. And, you know, by the way, if you are podcasting this radio show, please click subscribe and please tell your friends. Our podcast numbers are on the rise. 
and uh, people are starting to pay attention, and we appreciate that, and it helps our cause, and it helps us to be here. So, you know, we don't like to talk about the business side of being on radio um, very often, but once in a while, we've got to make the uh, request. So uh, we don't want to be. We don't want to become like uh, was that public television channel thirteen. We don't want to be like that. But we just want to let you know that when you click subscribe to the podcast, it does help the cause in more ways than you know. Let's get over and talk to Frank in Minnesota, ninety eight Chevy pickup truck, and some uh, problems with uh, fuel trim codes. Frank, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, thanks for taking your time, Ron. Uh, question for you here. I've been chasing this for a couple months now. Okay. Uh, went to a, I, my service engine soon light came on and uh, went to O'Reilly and. Pull codes, and I got a PO 171, 174, so I'm leaning both banks. And so I started off with some basics of just uh, changing the air filter, cleaning the mass airflow sensor with mass air flow sensor cleaner, uh, cleaning the throttle body, uh, putting a new fuel filter in, and checking around the intake and vacuum hoses with uh, starting fluid to see if I could get any change in RPM, and then I went back to O'Reilly, cleaned those codes out, and the light came back on again. Uh, So what I went to next was I put a new mass airflow sensor in there and went back and got rid of the codes again. They came back on after 5, 10 miles, whatever. Uh, The last thing I did is I put new oxygen sensors in uh, the truck and did the same thing cleared the codes, um, uh, and, of course, it, it came back on after. And I put a new PCV, PCV valve in there also. So I've gone through about as much as, as I know to do, I guess, and I still I don't have any starting issues, idling issues, drivability issues, but the light keeps on coming back on. So okay, my next thing a- that I'm probably going to do is bring it into a local shop that's got a good... good uh, um, real-time uh, reader and maybe can maybe can pinpoint this thing. But I'm, I'm wondering if you've got any uh, ideas. This is a 5.7 liter also, okay. 1998 Chevy pickup. So, and you're doing good so far. I don't know. I'd, I'd just go buy a scan tool and keep fixing it. Um, you know, do, do, you, do, do you understand the concept of fuel trim, Frank? I do, yes. All right. So re- remember in high school when they were feeding us those bar graphs with the digital, with the numbers on them, we said, what are we going to need this stuff for? And we all, we, we all yeah. kind of giggled and laughed, and, you know, here I am using it. So zero on that, on that, on that numbered line is, is, is a balanced air-fuel mixture. Zero is where the computer tries to – that's the point it wants to hit, 14.7 to 1, stoio, stoiometric, and I'm probably saying that wrong. Everybody loves to tell me that, but that's just the Jersey accent. Um, 14.7 to 1 air-fuel mixture, and it, it's, it's, it's perfect. If it goes to the plus side, it's adding fuel. If it goes to the minus side, it's taking fuel away. All right, it's doing that by by shortening or increasing the injector uh, on time. All right. So that being said, all right, where is the fuel trim? Have you yet? You haven't been able to scan this yet, right? You don't have a scan tool. I I just go to O'Reilly and I just use their basic analyzer, the pull codes. That's right. all I've okay. done. So you know, if we had if you had a scan tool, and at, at this point, for the money you've spent on parts. I think, see, I think a guy like you is smart enough that, and I think a lot of people are smart enough, I think I think a scan tool would help you. And you don't have to spend a lot of sure. money. Just go buy a generic, you know, OBD2 scan tool that reads data stream. All right? For, for all the scan tools I have in the shop, and I've got too many, um, I still use the, 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 the cheapy, quick, blue and gray scan tool by the door. Um, probably 
70% of the time. Check engine lights on. Scan tool. Uh-oh, we've been scan tooled. That's like Gene Gene, the dancing machine. So, you know, where's fuel trim? Is 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 fuel trim, for it to set the fault code, for it to set 171.174, total fuel trim has to exceed 25%. But I, I, I'd like to see the number, all right? And you can do that with a scanner. All right, that's number one. Number sure. Number two... When does it happen? Does it happen during warm-up? Does it happen during normal around town once the engine's up to operating temperature? And you can see that in the scan tool with mode 6. But, you know, my point becomes, you know, you get a B-plus for trying. I think you just need a little bit of a nudge in a better direction. All right? Yeah. So, you know, a scan tool may help. It's hard to stay beyond that because there's a lot of things it can react to. You know, one of the things I don't like about what you're doing is I don't use uh, what were you using for, to spray around the intake carb cleaner or throttle body cleaner? You said uh, starting fluid. Starting fluid. It's too volatile. Yep. All right. I, I've stayed okay. away. We don't use. What I actually do is I have a blue bottle of propane. You know, like the plumber's propane to sweat joints. And yep. there's a there's a tool adapter that came out from OTC Tools probably 40 years ago. It was to enrich propane on Chrysler lean burn cars. And, I mean, that's how we adjusted the carburetors way back when. So I've, I've you know, retrofitted it. I took the end of the tube. It's just got a little adjust valve on it. And you can you could probably use the plumber's torch, just put a piece of hose on the end. I put a piece of brake line in it, metal brake line. I, I clamped it down to make a little pinhole. And I'll use that. And that's a more controlled precise, you know, I know exactly where it's going type of a feel. But I'll do that okay. while looking at a scan tool, right? Because okay. because if there is okay. a leak, I'll see, I'll see an instant change in short-term fuel trim. I'll see an instant change in the oxygen sensor readout. All right? Yep. Now, yep. this has the plastic intake manifold on it in 98? It does. Yeah. Um, where these went bad was the intake manifold gasket was a hard metal shim with a rubber elastomer, E-L-A-S-T-O-M-E-R, elastomer bead. Yeah, there's a word, right? From the factory, I believe they were orange. The new ones are green. They had problems during cold warm-up, and they would do exactly what you're describing. All right? So, again, you know, and you will never see it warm. You'll spray with starter, propane. You'll, You'll never see it. During warm up, the way you, f- or, I'm sorry, once it's warmed up, the way you found it, the okay. way we always find it is we'll look at mode six and it'll say the fault code occurred at 168 degrees engine temperature. We knew it was during warm up, somewhere between hot and cold. And sure enough, we'd catch it in the act the next morning shooting it with propane and we would see the change. We, you know, to tell you the truth, it got to the point where we were chasing 171, 174. If it had the wrong color gaskets, we just changed them because they were, you know, and, and mileage oh, wow. on it, we, it, it was just due to happen. Uh, you know, so sure, it's sure. it's now the other problem you've got here is, yeah, you could have a vacuum leak. That means you've got to go through all the hoses and make sure nothing's porous, nothing's cracked, nothing's fallen off. But you can't do it without a scan tool because you won't know if what you're finding yep. is good or bad. If it's, you know, you're looking for you could be looking for a needle in a haystack. You could be looking for something that's staring you right in the face. Yeah. Last reason to yep. buy a scan tool. All right. Calculated yep. load. Um, when you get up in the morning, do you go to work hard right away? No, you kind of warm up to it, right? Yep. 
when, when you're yep. doing when you're doing your job, what you do to live and survive on the planet, you know, by by mid afternoon, you're probably cranking out whatever it is you do at eighty, ninety percent, right? You're really rolling along. Then you're, you've had your breakfast, you've had your lunch, you're cranked up, and you're getting ready to go home. You're all excited. You want to get job done, right? Mm -hmm. Calculated yep. load. So your calculated load goes up in the afternoon. Cars sort of do the same thing in the sense that. When you put your foot through the headlight to accelerate, calculated load, the measurement of the amount of load being applied against the engine to move the body, goes up. Well, calculated load is, is an engineered calculated number based on the amount of air going through the mass airflow sensor. I talked about this two weeks ago. I had a car that had a calculated load, my foot in the headlight just trying to get the car to move. I couldn't get it over 76%. A good mass air on a healthy engine, because an engine's a big air pump, a good calculated load will run upwards in the, in the 90s, 95. Once in a blue moon, you get one at 100%, and I think it's wrong, because I don't think anything's perfect. But uh, just just me, I'm just that's the optimist in me. Um, you know, you'll see typically 90 to 95%. If, for example, you had a scan tool, and you saw 95% on calculated load, and it's an acquired test, and it's not something you're going to do in rush hour traffic. So you're going to find a country road backwards, back out in the middle of nowhere, and you know, put your foot through the light and do it on a good vehicle, so you understand good, and then you know, you'll you'll get it when it's bad. But you know, if you saw a 90, 95 percent calculated load, I don't know if I'd condemn the mass air. So you'd probably save yourself the price of the mass air. You, sure. you, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I, and again, I don't feel bad about. I got one hundred eighty thousand on the truck. Yeah, I, you know, I I I don't feel bad about putting a mass airflow sensor in or new oxygen sensors. No, you know, I, I just am regarding it as uh, just an investment in vehicle. Yeah, and listen, I get it, and, I, and I'm with you one hundred percent. Yep. Uh, and don't don't take me as I don't mean to lecture. Um, it's just sometimes it's the no, way no, I explain. Uh, you know, but I just think, yeah, now it's got to go to a shop or you're going to get a scan tool and you're going to get an education in fuel trim. Listen, even yep. every every week at the shop, I'll, I'll leave it here because i got to go. The clock's going to take me. Every week at the shop, yep. some days I'm in a class, even though I'm at the shop. Maybe it's headlights. Maybe it's fuel trim. Maybe it's drivetrain. It's something I haven't seen or I'm not familiar with, and i got to sit there and gut it out. And sometimes you just got to gut out the repair, and that's how you get the education, and that's how you learn from it. So that the next time you see it, you'll know what it is you have to do. Go buy a scan tool. You deserve it. 855-560-9900. Ron Anian coming back right after this. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. I, was pick, I picked Tony up from the uh, train station today, and uh, as I always do every weekend. And we were driving back, and somebody had a flat. And we, we commented on, well, first of all, the person was, was changing the tire. Their legs were under the car, sitting there trying to, you know... And we're like, uh, and, you know, that's that's not good unto itself. But Tony said it to me. He said, how come all these cars have these little tiny dinky scissor jacks that I said, well, listen, not only do they have little tiny scissor jacks that you question how strong they are, but, you know, just trying to get them out of the car. You know, you need an engineering degree to get it back in the car once you take it apart. It's like a Rubik's Cube. So. Tony said, why do they do that? And I said, you know, you bring up a good point. I've always wondered why. They haven't installed hydraulic jacks in cars. How hard could that be to do at this point? 
or something with a little electric motor, right? Just a little pedestal that comes down out of each corner. The left front's flat. Hit a button, left front. Boop. Pops it up. Take the tire off. Put the tire on. You're done. Nothing to get out of the car. There'd be less confusion in the trunk, right? Think about it. There'd be less confusion in the trunk. You'd only have to worry about storing a spare and a tire wrench. Um, I mean, okay, it would add a couple of dollars to the car, but you know, what's it really going to cost for, for what we're spending on cars today? What could it add? A couple of two, three hundred dollars for a jackless car? Uh, you know, think about the safety factor and think about, here, think about this. How much fun is it to find the jack, set it up in the dark on the side of the road, all right? And for that matter, if we really want to get crazy, maybe we could have a little, nah, now I'm reaching. Maybe we could have a little light pop out of the corner where the jack pedestal is, and shine the light. Now I'm reaching, right, Tom? Oh. And what's a lot of fun is setting up one of those scissor jacks when it's ice and snow outside and well, snowing out and you're trying to change a tire. It's right. like, wow. I'm serious. For all the safety stuff that we talk about and the country worries about, you know what? You could put a little, you could put spikes on the end of the, on the end of the, of, of the foot for the jack and have it come down and um, I... I'm sure it'll be there when we have the electric cars because they'll weigh but nothing but plastic. And what what will they take to lift? Uh, you know, because that day is coming. Listen, I'm telling you right now, that day is coming. It's going to be electric cars. They're going to die, and it's going to be on the side of the road. And the sh the great shredder is going to come along and chew them up and spit them out and recycle them. Yes, Tom. And with the light cars, the day of picking up the car and putting it in the corner in a building, it will will be back. You can't do that today, but you could with a Volkswagen. Right. Yeah. It's you know. It's yeah. Volkswagen. Hmm. Well, maybe Volkswagen won't invent an electric car. Another reason to go electric. There won't be any Volkswagens left. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back to finish it up right after this. Who's gonna drive you home tonight? Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Um, well, that was a quick two hours. Uh, I want to do a little talk about Mitchell One. We've got an email here. This is from Fred in Houston, Texas. Ron, I've got a three-bay repair shop in Houston, Texas. I hear you talking lately about SureTrack from Mitchell One. I want to know, do you really use it in the shop, and what are your thoughts on it? This is Fred. He doesn't give a last name. Dryer, it looks like. It's kind of hard to read. It's a handwritten note. Um, Fred, I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, we use Mitchell in the shop. It's it's the real deal, SureTrack. Um, the nice thing about SureTrack is it's their, it's their database. Here, like, for example, and I was going to do this this hour, um, today's SureTrack fastest path to fixed Real fix of the day is, it talks about daytime running lights. Many vehicles have daytime running lights. Most people never think twice about them. If you notice they're not working, you go over to your mechanic. The vehicle in question today is a 2006 Chevy Equinox. It's got some codes, B2600 and B2602. They replaced the daytime running lamps lights resistor. The customer states the daytime running lamps are inoperative. They connected a scan tool and found various codes. They turned low beam headlights on and found they worked properly. Disconnected the daytime running lamps relay, used a multimeter measured resistance between ground and the light resistor voltage supply at the relay connector and found the measured resistance was not within the spec of 0.4 to 1 ohm. And it goes on to point out how they then replaced the daytime running lights resistor. There were some other tests that they had done. Um, they replaced the daytime running light resistor, cleared the codes, performed a road test, and the vehicle was now working properly. The, the really great thing about SureTrack is it's verified repairs from real-world database. The other nice thing about it is you can get out to the Mitchell One website. Go to MitchellOne.com, and you can look up SureTrack um, real fix repairs right there. It's available for everybody to see to get a taste of what's actually incorporated into the Mitchell Pro Demand software. Now, OneSearch Plus is something else that they put into the software of late. And it is, as they say, 
faster than ever. You'll find information. It's just one click away. It's OEM and real-world information together. And and they've actually incorporated it into Snap-on. It's now on the Snap-on scan tools uh, where they're giving you one search plus information of common pattern failures and things like that all at the touch of a button. So uh, we'll have to look into that. Maybe we can uh, talk a little bit about scan tools in the next couple of weeks, too. But that's the answer, Fred. Until the next time, I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.